0: The Mina Kimes Show featuring Lenny is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it. You must be 21 or older. Welcome back to The Mina Kimes Show featuring Lenny, the only NFL podcast where one of the hosts thinks boots and waggles sounds like a pet store. That's Lenny. I'm Mina Kimes. And I am joined, as always, on Tuesday. I didn't think you'd laugh at that one because I didn't think it was that good uh, when I wrote it yeah, out. It. it was fun, though. You know, boots and Uh, waggles. I feel like it's the
1: word combo. Waggles and boots is hard to say. What else? Smiling.
0: You have to say them together always. Um, Dominique, you tweeted something during last night's Monday night game that I thought was very apt, which is that it felt like watching '90s football. We're going to talk about (laughs) that game. We're also because that game is not the sexiest. uh, I also do want to talk to you about Thursday night football, which is a a lot sexier, I would say. And and then we're going to pick our winners and losers. Uh, from this week, but the '90s football thing—not just the style, the emphasis on the running backs, but also like just something about cowboys, giants, prime time. Those felt two quarterbacks, 90s. the whole thing felt they were super under '90s.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's like all we needed was a fullback, and it would have been so '90s. Just <laughs> which is weird, one fullback out there
0: because a lot of the really good teams right now are using fullbacks, but they're not using them in '90s ways. They're using them in fun and creative ways. I think. Was it last week when, um, yeah, when the, the Ravens, the Patriots, oh, no, it was this week, pardon me, the Ravens and Patriots playing and then the Bills and Dolphins, and I was thinking, like, oh, my God, like, all of these teams, except for the Patriots, use fullbacks, which is crazy because that's a team we <laughs> usually associate with fullbacks. But anyways, I digress. Um, just treetops. Coming away from the Giants-Cowboys game, has it changed your mind about anything, like, significant?
1: Um, the Cowboys are better than I thought. Agree. Uh, they're not Super Bowl contenders, but I thought that they were a bad team with Dak. And they seem to be like a competitive team without them. The defense is what it boils down to for me is obviously we're going to gravitate to the big stories. Cooper Rush and and Zeke having a good game and Pollard playing well. Offensive line protecting Rush and Kellen Moore um, tapering back his game plan the last couple weeks. But to be completely honest with what happened was their defense kept them in the game the last two weeks? And I mean, even the first week when they lost to uh, the Bucks, the defense is just keeping them in the games and making plays. It's not just Michael Parsons anymore. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence stepped up. Uh, Armstrong played well. The whole D line played well. Uh, Diggs dropped the pick, which I didn't know could happen, but then he ended up catching one later. But yeah, I think that's the that's the thing. Is I I respect Dan Quinn as much as the next guy. And I thought they had a couple talented guys on that defense. But I kind of chalked last year's defensive success up to, like, turnover luck. Yeah. And they didn't even have any in this game. The one they got at the end didn't really count. I mean, it was like to close the game out. They didn't have any games. They just played good defense. They gave up that one long run to Saquon. But it's been three weeks now that their defense just plays well. And that's not fun to talk about.
0: Yeah, we the Cowboys defense was like incredibly dominant last year in just about every advanced metric, but going into the season, I don't think anyone really believed that they would be able to sustain it because what you alluded to, which is the turnovers, which tend to regress year to year. Um and the fact I think just like beyond the superstars, I don't know, I don't think there's a lot of huge names in the secondary notably. Yeah. Um you know, I would say linebacker than outside of the pass rushers you mentioned, but the truth is they're just good. Across yeah. the board, and, and you talk about Trevon Diggs, he's better this year than yes. he was last year, yes. which is <laughs> so interesting because like la- it, it, it's <laughs> it's like last year he was overrated and this year he might be underrated because consistently he is super sticky in coverage. Um, he wonder, looks like right. I was gonna say it looks like his eyes are better. He's playing with more discipline. I don't see him jumping routes like crazy anymore. I, I and like if you have a superstar pass rusher and then other really good pass rushers around him and a superstar corner in today's NFL. That's a good defense.
1: Where is everybody who was um, coming down on Diggs last year and saying he's boomer bust. He's not a really good corner. Like they, those people should be out in droves right now saying uh, he's a great corner just because he doesn't have 13 interceptions through three weeks. Like that, <laughs> this is the type of cornerback play that they want. Right.
0: I think. Uh, are you one of our, those guys? Friend of the show. No, but Deontay Lee, who was very critical of his play last year, I think I saw praising him this year. Um, okay. And he's a very good. astute good. observer of defensive play. Um, but yeah, this is a good defense. I also want to say, I agree with your point at the beginning, which is how the Cowboys are just kind of better overall. Um, because now that, look, it's a really hard week one to know what's what. And now that the dust is settling a little bit, we know that the Bucks defense is probably the best in the NFL. So while, yes, this offense struggled, the offensive line looked terrible week one, Dak Prescott was really bad. Now we know that was the Bucks. Um So I think like now that we're able to like zoom out a little bit and kind of see these teams for who they are, you can kind of appreciate the difficulty of that matchup, as well as the fact that, and this is my other big takeaway from the game, the offensive line seems to be getting better. I mean, they're helped by Cooper Rush getting the ball, Cooper Rush, me, getting the ball out so quickly, but... Tyler Smith looks like he can play, and that is a huge development for this team. Yeah,
1: and I mean, they're helped by that, and they're helped by the two opponents that they just faced are not the Bucks. That <laughs> makes it a lot I better. Agree. And I do think that there's some there's some benefit. Benefit's the wrong word. I haven't figured out how to properly articulate it, but having Dak out changes the mindset. I think with Dak in there, mm-hmm. Kelly Moore wants to. Set the world on fire. He wants to let that cook, and that is not always the move. And I think there's something to be said for we're gonna run the ball and uh, we're gonna play action, move the pocket, sort of stuff, and not put a ton of pressure on offensive line. And uh, if they don't have this dominant offensive line that they had years past, then yeah, that's nice. Let's take the pressure off of them. And it also it also takes the pressure off of the quarterback. I saw like a lot of the Cooper Rush plays where i don't want to like high school plays comes to mind but that feels like it's like like i'm dissing them I'm not. that's not my goal at all it's just like they're they're clearly designed for one person yeah. you know like a lot of plays like this guy's gonna be open no matter what the coverage is this guy's gonna be open if he's not open check it down or tuck it or whatever and that's like Takes a lot of pressure off of them, and and if your defense is going to play really well and you're going to run the ball well, you're never going to get in a situation where the defense, the opposing defense, knows you're passing, and that is where we will see Cooper Rush become Cooper Rush when uh, if they're yeah, down was, and they just like have to throw it.
0: I was just about to say next week they've got the Commanders, so that's easy. I think the Rams would be the one where. Ooh this very sort of, you know, simple play action centric offense. I would be curious to see how they hold up in that matchup. And of course, Aaron Donald against the interior of that offensive line is not a great matchup and the Giants defense is really bad, but um, yeah, it does feel like, you know, very good game planning, a good execution on his part. Like I got to yeah, say,
1: absolutely. He's
0: better than I thought. I yeah. didn't think he would be, he looks like one of the better backups in the NFL as where I would uh, And, you know, like really, we're talking about like two good drives. Yeah. You know, so like, and probably yeah. should throws thrown some picks last week, but it's enough. It's enough, coupled with this opportunistic physical defense and uh, what has been a very good running game as of late. Um, yeah. So I think just, I said, I was on first take this morning with Stephen A Uh-oh. and Michael Irvin. Um, Did you
1: get any words in or are they just yelling at each other?
0: They, they were, uh, Michael Irvin was very quiet when I was there. <laughs> But I think he used up a lot of his – he had, like, a big rant at the beginning. I think he used Uh, up a lot of his – he's very nice. A very nice man. Very sweaty. Very damp. (laughs) Um, But, uh, you know, I I was optimistic about the Cowboys because, like, look, I don't think they're on the same level as the Eagles. I don't view them as, like, a legitimate contender. But as far as the wild card landscape, it's very friendly to them. And then this is a team that, like, should get better. They get Tyron Smith back at some point. They get Michael Gallup back. The offensive line is gelling. And, you know, Dak Prescott probably had the hardest matchup of the entire season week one. So my concern would be, since it's that thumb injury, and maybe this is just recency bias with Russell Wilson, do not rush him back would be my take.
1: I mean, and maybe there were more issues than just the thumb with Russell based on how he's playing now because he's had time to have that that thumb heel and he's still not uh, cooking. But uh, a couple things came to mind for me in this game is like, I recorded my podcast immediately after. So I'm taking notes through the course of the game trying to like develop some sort of narrative to talk about. And it shifted. And I don't think I would have noticed that it shifted if it wasn't for I for the fact that I was taking it, taking the notes. So like my notes, like leading up until halftime and a little bit after halftime is the Cowboys playmakers were unable to step up. They did not step up because we're looking at, Diggs dropping an interception. We're looking at CeeDee Lamb dropping a pass. We're looking at um, Pollard break a long run, but not score. On the other side, we're looking at Saquon being able to break a run and score. And it just felt like – and we also had in my notes, like, they still can't get over this penalty issue. There's so many drives in the first half that ended because false starts, holdings, all this stuff. And then they prolonged Giants drives with um, personal fouls. And, like, that's – so now I'm really stupid. Ones, the, so not, that, weren't yeah, not yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, it was a bad, it, that was a bad call, but there were some other ones too. I think they had, or maybe they didn't, but they had other penalties from the defensive side yeah. that, that prolonged drives. And I was just like, Oh, this is, this is the problem. We needed the big names to step up to help Cooper rush. And they are stepping up. The Cowboys are a penalty team. They're still having those penalties. And that was what I was writing down and what I was thinking. And then the Giants took the lead, and it cha- everything changed. Everything just flipped. Then all of a sudden, they just started moving the ball and scoring. And, I mean, the defense was playing great all game. And it's just, it's just funny to me to think about how close it came to being the opposite, I guess. Yeah. And coming off these two games, they're in great shape. So it, it just was an interesting thought that I had
0: just shows you how thin the margins are for these types right. of things. I think like if, you know, CeeDee Lamb doesn't make that insane touchdown catch, yeah. for example, and, you know, um and if some of those Giants actually catch the freaking football, we're yeah. having totally – we're talking about the undisciplined Cowboys. We're talking about, right. you know, the Lamb drop instead of the Lamb catch and right. how that was the difference in this game. Um, Real quick on the Giants, I have not – you know, I've been as critical as – of daniel jones well i wouldn't say anyone more so at the beginning and i think in recent years i've kind of softened i think he's been better than i expected um he's not good enough to overcome his surroundings he is just simply not one of those quarterbacks but holy crap his surroundings suck i mean i but which puts you in it, it, it from a take perspective it puts us into such a challenging position i think because poor us because um watching him, I was like, I don't really know how you can judge this guy because he's being screwed by his receivers. Obviously their protection's getting killed. But then on the flip side, he does hold on to the football too long and he does have like a seemingly the whatever the opposite of Spidey Senses, he has it, where like he is just, you know, the I mean, just cruising along, ob- oblivious to that pressure on the like I, I just it puts you in a tough position i think as a new york fan because i guess you want to move on you probably should want to move on but he has not been dealt a good hand
1: yeah it's it's been tough on him um he he did get sacked 5 times last night right and he managed a not lot. to fumble once so congratulations that's improvement True. that man loves to fumble
0: even the ball with the um it was uh who did they get on the uh the offensive pass interference I was on Shepard, I think, before he got mm-hmm. hurt when he hit the uh, oh, yeah, digs yeah, yeah. coming across, uh, and it was yeah, incidental. Daniel Jones made a sick play oh, on that God. where he yeah. was like he dodged pressure. He was rolling to his right. Yeah, I forget who he found, but I was just like, damn, this dude cannot catch a break. And that wasn't I think, even his
1: best throw. Like the, the other one where he had a lineman in his lap, he did like a jump pass and dropped it in that little sideline pass. Yeah, he's he's pretty. I mean, he's got some talent.
0: So I think let's just wrap here as a Giants fan, like. You feel good about your coaches, I think. They're doing the best they can with what they've got. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you look at the last few drafts, it's just Andrew Thomas hits. I mean, I don't think the pass rush really showed up in this game. So you, It's still early, obviously, for some of those. But And then it's still early for Evan Neal, so you can't really make too much. I guess Xavier McKinney is good. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just scrolling down. Lawrence is fine, drafted too early, but then it's just, it is a brutal few drafts, Um, so yeah, it really feels like...
1: I mean, they they have decisions this offseason between Jones and um, Barkley. My guess is that they move on from both of them, but I mean, if they keep either, they probably, I mean, they keep Barkley, but... Maybe they keep Jones because they can get him cheap. Cause like the the problem with keeping Jones is you didn't pick up his fifth-year option, so you're looking at negotiating a new yeah. contract. And if he's a starting quarterback, you're going to have to pay him starting quarterback money, which, I mean, it's, you don't have to pay him top of the league, starting quarterback money, but you're going to have to pay him more than I think anyone would be comfortable paying Daniel Jones, seeing as he hasn't proven anything. And then Saquon, obvious, anyone who listens to this podcast understands the risk of committing a lot of money to – the running back spot or anyone who's watched the Cowboys uh, in the past couple of years. Like we understand the risk involved in that.
0: Daniel Jones feels like the kind of quarterback that some GM also would talk himself into.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, somebody who needs a quarterback will grab Daniel Jones. I mean, Mitchell Trubisky just got another shot. Daniel Jones is better than him.
0: I agree. I think he's better than Mitchell Trubisky. All right. Now for the sexy matchup. Let's do it. I need a word other than sexy, enticing yeah. matchup, alluring matchup. Provocative. No, those are not
1: as, not as good. Not as good. We have genius. to workshop this.
0: Dolphins Bengals, just excels. Um, <laughs> I think I, I I don't have the lines in front of me, but I assume that the Dolphins are favored in this one. Um, the Dolphins, who I saw you on Get Up this morning, refer to yourself as a Dolphin. Oh, Dolphin. Dolphin. Uh, Robert Griffin the Third said they're the best team in the NFL. I don't okay. agree with that take, but I do think they're very good. I'm not uh, and Dolphin
1: addict. That's let's
0: different. start here. Uh, let's start from the Bengals perspective because obviously it's been an underwhelming start to the season for them last week against the Jets. They were able to get things going a little bit more, but I think the question is, okay, well how much of that was the Bengals versus how much of it was the Jets giving them some more favorable coverage looks? Um, probably a little bit of both is yeah. my answer. <laughs> um, how do you feel that they match up with the Dolphins defense that I thought just pitched a really nice game against Josh Allen?
1: Yeah. I mean, the uh... The Dolphins' defense, I think, matches up well. Uh, And maybe I'm just still looking at what happened last week. But, I mean, I think Xavier Howard is very good. Uh, And I think the Dolphins are comfortable with giving up some plays because they are going to also create havoc and get some plays that go in their favor. That's the funny thing is when I watched that Dolphins game, it was like, All their best plays came when they were blitzing and all their worst plays came when they were blitzing. And if, uh, if they're comfortable with that, then I'm comfortable with it. So they have a lot of great um, skill players on the other side. Uh, Cincinnati does, but so do the, so do the Bills. So like, I'm not too incredibly nervous. Uh, I guess there's concern about Joe Burrow's athleticism, breaking tackles and turning stuff into big plays, but he also holds onto the ball and, can't hold onto the ball consistently against zero coverage. It's just because they have more people than you can block. So I don't know. It worries me. Quick balls to chase. He'll break attack and go to crib. Yeah. That that worries me. But I don't know. I, f- I just feel really good about their defense coming off of what they did last week.
0: I was actually really impressed by their four-man rush in the second. Because you're right. They were kind of like living and dying by the blitz early on where Josh Allen was slicing them up. They also like had two sacks and forced a fumble. But – um in the second half, course, two fumbles. two like, fumbles. The one, second half, um, when they stopped blitzing quite as much or started just simulating it more often, I thought Ogba and Melvin Ingram were fantastic. and I, that was something that really jumped out to me is like, oh, they can do they can do the style of defensive play that is in vogue right now, which is you don't blitz, you sit back, you just force the offense to work underneath, which is what they did to Buffalo. and then, of course, it worked out for them, you know, with those goal line stops. Um and I, I think that's what they should do against Bengals. Don't blitz Joe Burrow. I mean, I I am still unconvinced by the Bengals' ability to solve those looks. They cannot run the ball for They didn't run well against the Jets either. Joe Mixon is averaging like less than three yards per carry on the year. Um Ben Solak, friend of the show, I thought had a really nice piece of the ringer talking about how some of that had to do with the fact that the Bengals almost exclusively run under center and throw out of the shotgun. So when you watch, defenses are kind of clued onto that, and they're more likely to play single high against the run. I did notice in the Jets game that um, they were mixing up a little bit, and Joe Burrow was throwing more from under center and had some really big plays. So I'll be curious to see if that continues. But I just don't think the Bengals offensive line holds up against this Dolphins pass rush yeah
1: um i mean the the simulated blitz still gives their pass rush some advantage you know like it's uh, with the line preparing for it they're sliding different re- directions you're creating one-on-ones and i think and the quarterback is also uh nervous and ready to make some decisions quickly so even showing the simulated pressure and dropping out like has a an impact on uh the pass rush but I guess there's also like a a comfort level with what you're doing. And I'm with you. They're comfortable in zones and and man coverage without zero blitz. But and this is personal bias, I guess, creeping in. I love playing zero coverage, (laughs) just like the idea that they they don't have time. Yeah, Yeah, I know, like, I would rather do that as a corner than, than, like, have a four-man rush and play man. Like, I'd I'd rather not have a safety cover me because, like, I don't know, the quarterback's under pressure. It just feels better. So, I don't know. I guess I'm just speaking. I understand Joe Burrow is better against man coverage, but I'm speaking as someone, assuming Xavier Howard is comfortable in zero coverage, I'd rather commit one way or the other.
0: Yeah, but... I mean, you know whole house loves zero coverage, Jamar Chase and T. Yeah. Like, um yeah. the one thing I will say about the Dolphins are part of the reason they're able to do that isn't just up front, but um you know, talk, we talk about Xavier Howard a lot. The other thing that really jumped out to me in the Bills game, I think Javon Holland might be one of the best free safeties in the NFL now. He was spectacular and he yeah. is he 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 I mean, obviously they had him blitzing and what but but he has the ranginess as that center fielder and there aren't that many true center fielder, free safeties in this league that allows them to do different things up front, allows them to Brandon Jones is the name of the other safety. He can blitz or play in the box or do whatever. Um, And I think is probably like an underrated member of that secondary. And yeah, well, I mean, it's a big test for Cincinnati. Um I will say, Part of the reason why I think this is still a good game is I, the Bengals even is playing really good football right now. It's been, like, kind of lost in the Bengals' offensive see, struggles that have everyone freaking out, but they're good.
1: You see Tyreek um, is coming at everybody's favorite corner, Eli Apple. He's, like, uh, after the game, he was saying he got something for Eli Apple. Like, he owes him something from that playoff game last year.
0: Because Eli Apple had the tackle at the goal line, right, when he, right. at the, yeah. <laughs>
1: I mean, I I just, as a corner, can't, like, um, having Tyreek Hill call you out is not a fun place to be, but Eli Apple is better than me. He'll be all right, but that stinks.
0: Do you think he'll be all right? Do you think this defense can – I mean, because I said they're playing good, but that should come with a caveat, which is they've played pretty bad quarterbacks, and they kind of are exactly who they were last year, which is, like, well-coached, good tackling – Decent pressure up front that Trey Hendrickson was really good in this last game. But, like, is it enough against, you know, the Dolphins' track meet?
1: Yeah, the Dolphins' track meet has – it's scarier on paper than it is on the field. You know, like, they had the one quarter against the Ravens. The Pats game was (laughs) not bananas. This last game against (laughs) the Bills was, like, a couple plays. So, I mean, that's – I still would be terrified of them, especially with two is dropping third and 22 passes right on people. But the fact of the matter is they're not winning because they're blowing the doors off of people. Like the Ravens yeah. blew a bunch of coverages and I don't want to take anything from the dolphins, but let's be honest about what's happening is like, they're playing good team games and are winning them. They aren't like the greatest show on turf. The do- the third and 22,
0: um, probably. Yeah, I mean the the post to waddle. Not only was it, I thought like a a good throw by Tua. Granted, you know, didn't necessarily lead him, but like it was it was it was it was a good throw. The fact that they even attempted it is yeah. tells you a lot about the mindset of this team. Um, you it's know, like, that like fourth a lot down of, play
1: you know, on week one that they yeah went the for second, uh, right yeah. before halftime.
0: Like they they are playing with a level of confidence right now on offense that is, I, I think, is a defensive coach, you're scared of because they just simply are unafraid to take risks. And yeah. I think, you know, Mike McDaniel is doing a fantastic job. We've talked a lot. We've talked on this podcast about his ability to create mismatches, the way he uses motion to seed doubt in the minds of defenders and how the combination of that doubt with world-class speed is a nightmare. But you're right. They haven't been dominant. Like if you really sit back and you look at what they've done this season and and look at the numbers and it's it's not been dominant. I think it's just the constant state of fear of a big play at any moment with any depth of target coming from so many different people is what makes it challenging. But like I said, I Which, think the Bengals are really yeah. like fundamentally sound. This is they strike me as a team that like is you know they have two good safeties and Von Bell and Jesse Bates. That's really important against this Dolphins team. You got to have two good safeties. Um, So, you know, this is...
1: Yeah, I mean, you're right, obviously, but um, I find it funny that you said this is a, like, I I don't forgot what terminology you used, but it just was, this was a measuring stick, or a test, I think you said, a test for the Bengals. The Dolphins have already passed all their tests to the point that now they are a test for other teams. Because you called this game a test for the Bengals, the defending AFC champs, which I don't disagree with you. I just find it, um, like, amusing. But to the other thing you were saying, what I don't understand is how we have, or they have Josh McDaniel, a um, master run game coordinator.
0: Or Mike they have
1: two receivers that terrify everyone from going deep and they still can't run the ball. Like, effectively, uh, in that last game, they had
0: key okay. runs at
1: key moments. Yeah. But, like, I would expect them to run the ball better because they were doubling Tyreek on occasions and. I assume on the other side, especially last week with those young corners, they were very concerned with uh, mm. Waddle also. Uh, run the ball. They should be able to – I don't know. I don't get it.
0: Do you so think we'll some see. of that is – th- listen, compared to the da- the uh, the Bengals, no. it's like prime Adrian Peterson, <laughs> Miami. But um, do you think perhaps it has something to do with the fact that so much of the pass game is out of the gun now? Maybe – you know, Mike McDaniel coming from San Francisco, that run game was almost entirely under center.
1: And why, why are they in the gun? Is it just Tua's comfort level? Uh, it would assume, yeah. I would assume that, I don't know, if you can run the ball, you need to figure out whatever you can do to do that effectively and play action off of it, but what if
0: You don't sound like a Dolphin.
1: I am you a Dolphin, which is you why. You sound
0: like a, a Finn skeptic, what, and that still doesn't work.
1: I'm a Dolphin. I was high on the Dolphins before the season started, but then all these other people came and got on my train. You're one of these people. And then they go and aim the train to the moon. Like, chill out. Let's stay on the tracks for now and accept that we are not quite there yet.
0: There was a graphic that went out before the game that was like the bright young talent of the NFL. And it was like Mahomes, Allen, and Tua. Incredible. It's it's happening. <laughs> I love it. That's wild. Um, I think the Dolphins win this one. I'm st- I am said it was a test with the Bengals because I just – i I'm still – I this offense is not – fixed itself to me just yet so we'll see all right let's take a quick break and come back and talk about some winners and losers all right people we are brought to you by Caesar sportsbook the greatest sports betting app of all time see it's not just about the daily promos odds boosts or the hundreds of ways to wager it's about the immortal words of caesar himself you bet you get with caesar's rewards Every bet you place on the app, no matter the outcome, earns towards exclusive perks at Caesars Rewards destinations everywhere. Hotel stays, concert tickets, bonuses, and more. Download the Caesars Sportsbook app, become a Caesars Rewards members today and get more with every wager. Must be 21 years or older to gamble. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-522-4700. All right, we are back with our weekly segment, Winners and... Say it. Am
1: I supposed to say Wolf? Yeah. Was... Uh, okay. Wolf.
0: <laughs> you got the intonation right. Anyways, let's start with the winners. Dominic, you go first.
1: Uh, The Indianapolis Colts, my winner. Whew. We may not be able to say their names again in the course of this <laughs> season on the I Winners column, say. so we should... We should give them this winner now because this is going to be the biggest win they had all year. And I guess it should be – I mean, they, are, they they have not been impressive. They uh, they beat this very good team, and so I didn't watch this game live. So I went back to watch it to see yeah. what happened and wanted Chaos. to see Chaos. them play well. And I did not see them play well. I saw special teams faux pas and mishaps and drop touchdown passes – and Mahomes and Biennium bickering. Like, I I did not leave that game feeling like, oh, Colts, it's a problem in the South. No.
0: It's so you for your winner just to be a total neg. What the heck? I, that yeah. whole spiel you gave was basically like. Okay,
1: okay, okay, okay. Rookies made big plays at the end. They were opportune special teams plays. I don't know. um Matt Ryan, game winning touchdown pass. Um, saddle up. I don't know. What do do they say? Not let's ride. Uh,
0: No, you're right.
1: (sighs) I can't make a horse noise. I feel like you could make a horse noise.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We tried to do uh, dolphin noises on NFL Live the other day. Marcus Spears got it. And I realized I can't do that. It's like a soft bark.
1: (laughs) I don't know. That's that's chimpish. That was an excellent chimp. (laughs) That was an excellent. Okay, surprise. I'm
0: gonna say something nice about the Colts because I too didn't watch this game live, and they watch. So I didn't watch it live. I saw the result. I was like, "What the hell?" <laughs> then I watched it later. <laughs> Everything you said is correct. It was a comedy of errors for the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, one thinks they will bounce back, but I think it's a little bit. I, I don't. I'm not concerned about the Chiefs fully, but they're on notice for me because they also had some, you know, like screw ups versus the Chargers, and you know, they got so they are, it, it really, they're repeating what they did last year, which is just not simply not playing up to their ability yet again. And I re- again, I know all the stuff you just described, the muff, all of it just happened, but still, um, the Colts, however. So I thought the offense looked bad. I think the Colts offensive line is a nightmare and I don't understand how they're so bad. I actually texted Jeff Saturday. How are they so bad? Because I don't understand how they're so bad. Um, and he gave me a very long detailed explanation, but, I will say I thought the defensive line looked really good in this game, and that was something that had yeah. kind of confused me with the first two weeks of the season, um, because I thought this Colts defense would be good even without Shaquille Leonard. But you know the fact that they had uh, Ngakwe and DeForest Buckner and then Quidipe, who I thought was good last year. And then the first two weeks of the season, nothing. In this game, they won up front a lot against you know what is a decent to good Kansas City, a good pardon me Kansas City offensive line. Um, I thought Pei was awesome. Um, Buckner, Grover Stewart at uh, nose. Like they they look like the defense that we expected. Also, shout out to Gus Bradley, deviating a little bit from his cover three. We gotta give our man <laughs> Gus some praise there.
1: Give Gus some love. Yeah, that was impressive. He did some other things, but um yeah. Offensive line is a problem. That's that's supposed to be the strong suit. That's why quarterbacks. 18 quarterbacks wanted to come there because this was like, hey, we got an offensive line, we got a running game. Um, They used to have uh, receivers, which I guess they don't.
0: No, I thought uh, the rookie looked pretty good. Alec Pierce finally playing. You know, I thought.
1: Yeah, I guess I was talking about why someone would want to come there, not why, not now. Um, Yeah, so (sighs) it's got to be disappointing to be there with a bad offensive line because that's the whole point of coming Mm. there. They got a really expensive guard, which. Um I think it might have been on this podcast. I do a lot of talking about football, <laughs> but I was talking about how um interior interior alignment are uh like if you're ranking most difficult positions to play in football, like interior line play is probably at the bottom of that list. Wow. Wow. So much, what? That's not, not a it's a, not a, it's a wild thing to you say. You know what you should use that, your
0: piece of evidence that freaking 65-year-old Jason Peters came in and was really good for the Cowboys. I mean, and
1: the evidence is just like when somebody's not good enough to play tackle, they put them at guard. I'm
0: going to clip this and send it to Mike Golick Jr.
1: He knows it. Clip it and send it to him. And he's going to clip it and send it back and say he's right. But anyway, there's a lot of money tied up in uh, uh, a guy who is not going to like definitively change your fortunes like a left tackle might um, or uh, yeah. some other position. So anyway, that, that team is, they fall into the bottom ish of that division fast. And I thought they were one of the teams that could like and There's there's Dominique's
0: people. winner. Uh, <laughs> you really understand the concept. Yeah, that, that was, was a bad, I'm sorry. It. I double
1: wolf this week. I'm sorry. I apologize. Indianapolis.
0: Double-wolf. I would say actually the, the, thing that is a bigger bummer for the Colts is that the Jags actually look good. We should, we'll talk about, I'll be talking about the Jags on my preview episode this week, but, uh, they look good and that would be concerning. Cause I think that was the thought that the Colts would run away with this division. Okay. My winner is an easy one. It's an obvious one. It is Lamar Jackson. I forgot his middle name. I typed that in my email. Demetris, I think Demetris. you're usually really on top of middle names. So yeah. I tried to steal that I mean, I- from you.
1: I was disappointed that you didn't you didn't say it the way that you emailed it. I mean, you That's emailed it spelled. in all caps. Oh, Yeah, I know, but you emailed it in all caps with the middle name, and then you just said Lamar Jackson when <sighs> you got on here. He deserves um, all just three Just to names.
0: let you into my brain a little bit, the reason I didn't say it, I was planning on saying it, but then once I started, I wasn't confident that I had the pronunciation right, so I just yeah. backed off of it immediately. Um, but it's, anyways. It's
1: spelled D-meat-rice. I just noticed that
0: it's an unusual spelling. It's unusual. I I don't want to mess it up. If anyone knows how he says it, please get at me. Um, I'm trying to think of something new to say about him.
1: There's nothing new to say. He's great. Uh,
0: Here's what I love. That's different. The pass game looks better holistically. And that was, like, we knew what Lamar's capable of. We've seen him shred the blitz before. He's shredding the blitz this year. We've seen him operate from the pocket. We've seen how dangerous he's a runner. He somehow looks even better this year. What we haven't seen, however, is a Ravens passing attack that actually put the fear of God in people. And I don't know if it's, I mean, there's a lot of things going on. Um, I would say, like, Rashad Bateman taking another step. I think Devin Duvernay has been very good this year, shockingly. Um, And then, of course, Mark Andrews. All of a sudden, you're like, wait. It's actually a decent group of pass catchers in Baltimore. And Greg Roman is finding ways to get them open. And I think Lamar is making tight window throws and, and doing all the things you want him to do. And uh but I think the combination of his own improvement with the improvement of his circumstances is pretty exciting if you're a Ravens fan.
1: I have to admit that what surprised me the most is um he has guys making plays for him. Yes which um, is something that I am not accustomed to seeing from anyone other than like Mark Andrews on occasion will make like a wild one-handed catch. But in this game, Mark Andrews was taking things off, taking passes off of the backs of uh, defenders. Um, Rashard Bateman, in all the games so far, Rashad Bateman, yards after catch, he gets open, and then he gets yeah. deep down the field, yards after catch. And Duvernay, who like I, I think we just kind of thought of as a special teams guy, Turned out to be a really good receiver and, like, tracking the ball. I was going
0: to say, yeah. yeah. It's like like the stuff
1: that, yeah, he's a good receiver. And it's it's not just, like, Lamar setting them up because sometimes it's tight coverage and they're making plays. So, like, that's encouraging if you're a Ravens fan, scary if you're not because Lamar's already, like, (laughs) I mean, terrifying, put the team on his back type of good. If he also has people to take pressure off of him, which is like uh, all these other big name quarterbacks that we talk about tend to have those guys. If he has those guys too, and they're not asking him to do so much, uh, he can just like throw it out in DuVernay's area and he could make a play for you or Bateman. Like that'll be, that's, that'll be something.
0: The one concern I have is um, I'm not sure if Ronnie Stanley's going <laughs> to, like the way they're talking about him is the way you hate to hear uh, if you're a fan, which is, we don't know, you know, one day at a time. Uh, it's a long season. And uh, in the past game, they were down to their backup, backup tackle, Daniel Falele, um, and it showed. So <laughs> I think you don't you, – you the offensive line was a concern I had coming into the season, despite the improvements they made. Um, I thought the, the, they did look really good run-blocking however, against New England, which was encouraging because that run game has actually been kind of sus through the first two weeks of the season. But, uh, yeah, if Ronnie Stanley can't play, that would be an issue for me, I think, against a better pass rush.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, but still you got Lamar, so that makes it a little bit better. I mean, it'd be less of an issue for Lamar than it would be for other people. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's been so long for Ronnie Stanley. Like, it's so concerning I'm uh, glad he got paid when he did for him and his family or whatever, but it sucks because he was like one of the best tackles in football and was young, and it just feels uh, like him and Lamar were going to be together for a while and doing special things, and it he hasn't been there in a couple seasons, and it's terrible. And there's no, like, yeah, there's no prognosis for like, oh, yeah, we're just working through some things. He had a minor setback. It's just like, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, well. Hopefully, sooner rather than later. I mean, they're winning without it. Playing well so. on defense, though. Yeah. Corners they play better out. on defense in this one, which was encouraging. All right. Woofs. You go first. All right.
1: My wolf, Washington Commanders. Carson Wentz got sacked nine times. And I know we blame quarterbacks for sacks. We also need to blame offensive lines for sacks. Blame their secondary for being their secondary. This team had what I thought was an impressive win in Week One. Like I thought the Bengals, I mean the Jaguars were like a formidable opponent. They played well in that game, and it was like encouraging. Carson Wentz. I I was watching the game like this. Carson Wentz experience might be okay. Like he's gonna mess up every now and then, but it feels like this team is in. They knew what they were getting. And they're like, because after he threw, like, some ridiculous interceptions, they kept letting him air it out, and he made some incredible passes. And I was like, yeah, this team is just going to be volatile on offense, but there's going to be some good. And then this was just meh. And that, like, I think also on the heels of more news about the owners trying to push Daniel Snyder out just made me think this whole organization, the history of it, the, the recent history, the long-term history – the most recent game, it just is and I live in DC. It's just a, a sad, sad place for the organization to be, and they keep rolling Ron Vere out there to make him say something that's supposed to make us feel better and it doesn't work.
0: As a Washington fan, what do you feel good about right now? Like what when you look at everything all the decisions they've made, obviously I think we see that they're not a contender competitive this season. Um Wentz I thought like half the sacks were on him, half were on the offensive line. To be honest, I mean, there's um, enough was, to go around. There so. was, yeah, right. Uh, it was like that Joe Burrow Titans game where it's like you can make a little pie showing who's on. Is this one scheme? Is this one Wentz? I mean, he really holds onto the football too for way too long. I think I grabbed this afterwards. He has the seventh longest time to release, but um, all the other quarterbacks are dual threats. I mean, he can move, but you know we're. Uh actually there was one quarterback. Let me see. Cousins has a but he boots out a lot too which The thing that's most concerning is 35% of his pressures turn into sacks, which is the second highest in the NFL behind Daniel Jones. So it's not just like, okay, you know, what's the offensive line doing? What's the scheme? Are we protecting him? But he lacks pocket presence and that's just been a quality of his for a really long time where he's going to make an offensive line look worse. Um, sorry. I, I started this sentence by saying, let's talk about the things you feel good about. Okay. It's McLaurin still a good receiver and group. and Yeah. It's go. a good receiver That's group. It. Jonathan Allen is good. Yeah. Sweat um, I mean. Good. Yeah. Young will be
1: healthy eventually. Young will be
0: healthy. The secondary was missing some guys, but they're bad. Yeah. It's. Davis has been really up and down. I mean, look at the draft picks in recent years. I guess Cam Curl is a safety. is okay. Like, it's just, you know, you start wondering, okay, what can we build around here? And it does feel like they're in a pretty, I would say not too dissimilar from New York, honestly. I mean, with New York, I know, there, I think there's like some juice around that team because the head coach, people like, but it's a similar state of play where they're, you know, you're kind of quest- looking around, you're looking at last few drafts and you're questioning, okay, who is our core that we're going to rebuild around?
1: They're not there. I've i never heard anybody build around a receiver, a pair of receivers. That's not something that I'm accustomed to. Did but you see the reports that they tried
0: to trade do. for Jimmy Garoppolo and the surgery got in the way?
1: Yeah. I mean, I,
0: how different, I, like, I mean, it would be a very different offense
1: It would be. I don't think the results would be all that different. They would have lost week one. Yeah. I don't know that they would be better with Jimmy Garoppolo. At least with Carson Wentz, you have that high-end potential that he could string together uh, five or six impressive throws before he turns it over. I mean, I don't know if that's good or bad. I'm just saying at least you have that. With with Jimmy Garoppolo, you, you don't have that.
0: All right. My wolf, I think, is sadder. Because yeah. I should I reverse these and should we end on winners? What do you think? Is this like
1: uh, You wanna end mix on a good
0: note? We can mix them. We can do winner woof okay. woof winner just to kinda I like, like a little Yeah, little all right. Sandwich. Next week I'll do that. All right. Um I have to go with the LA Chargers. Some brutal injuries across the league. Uh, speaking to Jimmy Garoppolo, the Niners losing Trent Williams for a few weeks really sucks. And it, and I thought the offensive line actually looked better against Denver um, than they have. But, you know, once he went out, obviously that caused huge problems for them. And then there was another big injury. It's escaping my mind right now. But I, I don't think there's a bigger one league-wide than the Chargers losing Rashawn Slater for... The entire season, to, on top of like a litany of injuries that are day to day. See if Bosa, Joey Bosa, is out for a few weeks. They lost Jalen Guyton for the season, who's their deep threat wide receiver. Um, You know, Corey Lindsley's been banged up. I think, God, the list of injuries just continues to mount and mount. But the Slater one, that's like, I would say on that team, probably the one player you couldn't lose because if you lose, like maybe Bosa. But you have Mac. You okay?
1: What? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. It's just like you talk about all these injuries and the player that you could least afford to be injured and you never named the quarterback. That's, I was just confused. Oh,
0: I meant other than the quarterback, obviously. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, sorry. <laughs> his injury
1: is the well, worst okay. one. Yeah, right. And, and th- the most uh, like, like it didn't seem like it was hurting him the way he was throwing passes uh, across his body deep down the field. But it was obviously impacting other times. But yeah, this team—I yeah. uh, don't know. Sometimes we talk about curses of teams, and I think that uh, we these talked guys- about
0: it on this show. And you said you didn't think. Let's play the audio.
1: And I mean, I'm joking. They're not cursed. I don't believe in curses. But Matt Ryan's not mm-hmm. this bad.
0: The charges are kind of
1: cursed. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> So did I curse the Chargers by bringing up the Chargers curse?
1: No. You can't curse a team by bringing up that, the fact that they're already cursed. Like that's, Maybe the curse fell asleep. Maybe you woke the curse up. The curse heard its name. It was like, oh, oh yeah. Let's get back to People, it.
0: Well, I, I don't know what it's going to take. I mean, you could say it's like, oh, the city of San Diego because they left. But the freaking Rams left St. Louis and then won a Super Bowl. So the curse doesn't apply to I them? I mean,
1: in- and the Chargers were cursed in San Diego. Like it was, Yeah, right. They this were the back. same situation. Like, this is, I don't know what they did somewhere along the line, but they need to write this wrong.
0: There's people you can hire to undo these things. Like, witches. <laughs> to, like, undo hexes. I don't. I, for me, I, I started this by saying it was Saturday, the Washington thing. It's just so brutal because this was a team that was supposed to make a Super Bowl run this year. And Dominique, even if Bosa comes back and even if Herbert heals up the Slater thing. I, I, am I overstating? First of all, no. there's no left tackles out there. None.
1: No, it's, none. It's the hardest position. No one on the My, team.
0: They had Storm Norton, yeah. who was benched from playing a right tackle, moved to left tackle in this game. I don't know what. Maybe they'll mix them around and whatever, but.
1: Yeah, it's, it's dire right now, and they are just leaving Herbert out there to get smacked around. Let him get right. I mean, I guess the.
0: That's another the, thing.
1: Yeah, I, I well, understand they, playing him. Like I played football, I get it. I don't know that it was a good idea, but I understand it. But then leaving him out there,
0: it sounds like, and I've heard that like he he wanted, he was pushing about there, which is yeah, of course he was. Yeah, you know that's he's, what like he's like going to do. twenty four. Yeah. yeah, you got it. You got to stop. That was. I feel like too many things happen in the NFL for that to be like a massive story. Like maybe if that that had happened at a night game, I think we would probably let a lot of the shows like people would have really gone after the chargers for that. But, um, that was wild and man to do it without Slater out there. I don't want to say, I don't want to say the season is over because we've seen Justin Herbert play with bad protection before his rookie season. He did not have Rashawn Slater and you know, he, he has the athleticism to compensate for that, but he doesn't have it right now. <laughs> he does not. And I Such think a
1: crazy game. I'm sorry. I just, just like, um, there's no other professional sport that injuries are so inevitable. Like every sport injuries are impactful when they happen, but there's no other sport that I watch regularly that like, Injuries are so inevitable. And, like, you know you're entering the season. And, like, basketball, it's a good chance you're going to end the year with your same starting five. <laughs> like, your, your seven-man rotation could be your seven-man rotation. Baseball, similar thing. Like, uh, whatever other sports. It's just so crazy that we, <laughs> we do so much analysis. But we know that two or three important guys on every team... Are going to miss a substantial amount of time, and then we go into the season and talk about this like we know it, and then everything is is turned on its head after three weeks.
0: <laughs> also, <laughs> the the, the nature of this injury, the rib, the rib cartilage, something about rib injuries that are so much more graphic to me. I, um, maybe it's because I eat ribs. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you can like visualize them.
0: <laughs> they like protect
1: like, a, like a all the good organs yes! like with the exception <laughs> of your brain important. all the good ones all the ones that you need are protected by your ribs you got a cranium and ribs those two those need to hold up
0: i feel like ribs should be something you can replace like wolverine with like titanium
1: <laughs> well cartilage you can't though
0: oh right it's this cartilage yeah so yeah. that made that me i just yeah uh. I don't it know. just seems
1: so painful too it like seems I, so I, painful i think it's i've just never completely. had anything like that but I, i've heard like even breathing hurts and i mean i'm sure it doesn't hurt in the game because they put all types of things in there but i guarantee you six seven hours after the game that thing is on
0: fire brutal all right let me ask one more question do you think the chargers are done this season <laughs>
1: Um, they lost their best offensive player, who's not the quarterback. Their best defensive player—I mean, I guess Derwin's better—but um, Joey's really important, and their quarterback is hobbled, and they're in a tough division. The problem with that is everybody else is like beatable too. Brandon Staley is not really well respected as far as coaching's concerned. I don't know that my I don't think they win a the division anymore. I picked them to win a division, which was foolish of me.
0: That's the issue about the coaching. But, um, yes, I, I don't think they're done because I think the quarterback is so good that if he can get retain a modicum, modicum of health, we saw what he did with a bad offensive line his rookie season. Right. And he's a better quarterback now. However, they are no longer like a favorite the way they were. Now I view them as like uh, on the wild card fringe, you know, which yeah. that is a woof. All right, Dominique, let's do better next week. More positivity, because we really did woof 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 triple woofs. Yeah,
1: yeah, uh, we did. Yeah. I'm sorry, that's on me. I brought a winner that was really, I just really planned on wolfing them. I'll bring, I'll be better next week. True winners next week, I promise. All right, I'll see you then. All right, buddy.